Clarence here, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek Discovery podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS All Access series, Star Trek Discovery. Today we are continuing our Section 31 coverage as we talk about Star Trek Enterprise Demons. Like always, I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies, starting with the Trek story himself, Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, dude? Doing good, man. Doing good. Glad to be on for another night of podcasting. Cool. How man. about you guys? Doing doing great, man. Any happenings going on in the world of uh, uh, Mr. Jonathan Shorts? Uh, nothing new. I took a trip to Washington, D.C. Uh, what was that? Not last week, week before last. So that was interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you had some pretty nice pictures I saw on Facebook. Yeah, yeah well, nice. listen, if you know what it took to get through all of those pictures. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, we, we did happen to be there during the time uh, Marine One was taken off with Trump. I think they were taking him to a rally in, like, Minnesota or somewhere. So we just happened to be parked there, and then, like, they blocked Constitution Avenue off, and like they brought dogs out sniffing all the cars and we didn't know what was going on. So we asked like the secret service lady, I guess that's who we finally figured out she was. And she said, <laughs> well, uh, I can just tell you if you have about 30 minutes, you probably just want to stay around. You may or may not see something interesting. Ah, cool. Cool. And then all of a sudden we see snipers coming up everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But it was cool, man. It was cool. I should have taken Carrie's advice and not rented a car. That probably cost us more money than anything. Wow. Just parking and anyway. But I can go on and on about that. <laughs> it was a good trip. I would like to go back, though. Cool, cool. And also on this podcast, we have the Who Story himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? Hey, I can't complain. I'm back watching Star Trek. And last night I was watching Doctor Who and The Walking Dead. So, hey, I'm not complaining. Yeah, man. How's it going? How, what's going on in the world of Cal Jones? Uh, like I said, Doctor Who and That's about uh, it, Doctor huh? Who. All who all the time. Who. <laughs> yeah. So that you know, we've been having some fun talking to our friend Lee Shackelford for discussing who about Doctor Who. Very good review last week. We reviewed Rosa, which was the story of Rosa Parks. Actually one of the favorite episodes that I've ever edited of all the episodes that we've done that that for some reason was one of my favorites. So yeah, Dr. Who 24 seven. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, glad to have you both on for this review of demons. What we do on this podcast is review each episode of star Trek discovery in somewhat excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek. If you like this show, when you want to show your support, then head on over to patreon.com slash discussing Trek, where you can follow and contribute for as little as $1 a month. Just chip in if you would like, and we would definitely appreciate it. But f before we get into our review of Demons, uh, let's take a quick look at Trek News. But even before that, let me back up just a little bit. Even before that, I want to talk about a bit of errata from a friend of the show and co-host on Discussing Who, uh, Mr. Lee Shackford, who um, gave some excellent points on our review of the animated series uh, episode Beyond the Farthest Star. Uh, we, we made some comments about the science of the episode. And in fact, our science was wrong. 
we were talking about the the dead star um should have been a black hole and maybe i think that was me that actually said that to be honest so let me just read what i did from a quick what i found from a quick google search and of course mr shackville's right a dead a white dwarf is a stellar remnant and can be considered a dead star in regard in that regard a dead star is one that has no more nuclear fi- fusion when a star dies, it leaves some remnant behind. Depending on the mass of the star, the remnant can be a white dwarf, a neutron star, or a black hole. So in that particular episode, our science was wrong. And we also gave some good thoughts on how the show affected him having actually grown up watching Star Trek and seeing it taken off the air and then having some nugget to watch a little when he was a little bit older as maybe a nine, 10 year old and watching though the show being brought back as it was intended a children's show because that's what it was intended to be. And we kind of debated that on our review as well. So yeah, just, just good to get feedback from him being a, a lover of Trek. Speaking of some more Star Trek animated news, as we get into the news, uh, a new Star Trek animated series has been announced. CBS All Access has set phasers to funny with the announcement of a two-season commitment of Star Trek Lower Decks, an animated comedy from Emmy Award winner Mike McMahon. The show will follow the support crew serving on one of Starfleet's least important ships. McMahon is best known as a writer on Rick and Morty, where he also serves as a story editor and writer's assistant for the show. He has also written the upcoming Harry Mud centric installment of Star Trek short treks. What do you guys think a comedy based dare I even say Orville esque Star Trek show in the animated world? What do you guys think? See that right there, Orville. I, I just wonder if you're trying to capture a little bit of the Orville audience and maybe that might not work. Maybe I'm not sure. I don't know, man. I think people take Star Trek very seriously. Um, and I don't know if that's completely going to work. You know, I think of episodes where they kind of played on sort of the same kind of vibe, especially in Star Trek, um, Voyager. There was a particular episode where they took some of the crew from the lower decks and they brought them up to, um, be trained by Tuvok. <laughs> Because, you know, some of these crew members were newer and, you know, as the Voyager got stranded in the Delta Quadrant, they really didn't have the time or the, I guess, proper training to become proper crew members. And they're kind of just wasting away on the lower decks. And to me, this is exactly what this kind of is. Now, as for Star Trek being funny, a completely funny episode. I don't know. Have you guys ever seen Rick and Morty? No, but but the <laughs> thing, they, don't they have a comic strip or something? Rick and Morty. No, Rick and Morty is a show on. Um, Rick and Morty is a show that's on Cartoon Network. But didn't it start as like a comic strip? Oh, I don't. That I don't know. That I have no idea. But if if you have seen this show, it is kind of out there as far as kind of the places they go. But it does it does have a very. I do love the sense of science in that show, even though it's weird and crazy. Uh, the, the, the main character, Rick, is kind of like a, um, think Doc Brown on steroids from Back to the Future. <laughs> that's, that's basically who he is. A lot of time travel, a lot of paradoxes in their shows. And I have to say, their shows are real well written for what they are. 
Uh, if we bring that same kind of sentiment over to Star Trek, I think it could be good. But still, comedy and Star Trek. Uh, don't know. Okay, so I don't know. it happens more than I guess. I would say D- DS Nine has the most comedy. I would think. I mean, especially like the uh, episode where they had the baseball game against the Vulcans. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, that pretty much was an entire comedy <laughs> episode. Yeah, you know, it might could work if the if, if the cartoon or these characters that they're creating in some way parody or make fun or make in jokes about things we know in Star Trek that makes things funny that we see all the time in Star Trek case in point. Um, you know, they're, they're the people who make the packs of the food that make the bananas or whatever that from the replicators. And you find some story about how that stuff is actually made. And the next time you see somebody using the replicator on a serious Star Trek, that becomes funny. Yeah. So if you know what I'm saying, if they yeah. do it that way, that might make it interesting. Hmm. <laughs> It kind of worked for Orville. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can see that. I can see that. I mean, that that will make it interesting, like a new take on it. I would watch it. Yeah, cool. Good. Well, I guess we will see whenever it de- debuts. I don't think we have a date for it yet or exact details other than we're knowing that it will be a comedy. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Can't wait for that one. Uh, moving on to some more news, IDW reveals a Captain Saru one-shot Discovery comic. At this past weekend's Destination Star Trek Birmingham convention in England, Star Trek comic publisher IDW announced the next Discovery graphic adventure coming in February entitled Captain Saru. The 42-page one-shot comic comes from Discovery comic writers Kristen Beyer and Mike Johnson. The tale will also feature interior artwork from longtime IDW illustrator Angel Hernandez. So we got the one-shot with um, Stamets last year, which I thought was very good. Very good. What do we think this whole idea of Captain Saru? And maybe more importantly, like, when does it take place? Hmm. I think you hit the question right there is when does it take place? Because if it's too far back and it's not tying to anything I can relate to, it makes me wonder how important it would be to read it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Any, th- mm. any thoughts, John? <laughs> I don't know. It, it, again, we go to the comic things. and I, I mean, like, I'm with Cal, though. It, like the timing – the placement of it in time would be important. Like too far in the future, it'd be, you know, you kind of like unbelievable, like, yeah, whatever, but too far in the past, we couldn't really relate to it. I don't, I don't know. I, I would have to read it. I, I, mm. <laughs> well, right, well, let me say, kind of elaborate on my point. The comics that we did, the, I believe the light of Kalis directly impacted or directly told us a little bit more about what we had just seen. On the flip side, the story about the mirror universe didn't kind of have that same impact because it, to me, didn't really shed any new light on what we had already seen. Right. Yeah. And even like speaking again of that one shot with uh, about Paul Stamets, I thought it was really great because it led right up into the very first 
uh, episode. Well, not directly, but you, you, you know why the Glenn is there and you know why the discovery is there and you know why Stamets and his partner, uh, are behind this scientific mission and how they got involved. That's what that one shot is all about. So I'm hoping this is similar, but I think, you know, we see Captain Saru. Is Saru really a captain? So, um, so I think some people have speculated the point before we reach the Enterprise. Uh, after, before we reach the Enterprise, but after they get their medals, maybe something happened. I don't know about that. That seems like too short of a time. Um, it is. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see where they go with it. And I think that comes out again in, uh, February of, of next year. And speaking of stuff being too far in the future or past, we also got a trailer from the Star Trek Discovery Short Treks for Calypso, uh, which will debut on the 8th of November. Uh, Calypso introduces a new character named Kraft, played by Aldous Hodge, who wakes up on a deserted ship with his AI computer uh, as his only companion. The trailer states 1000 years after Discovery which sets this short track episode very far in the future. Thoughts? I hadn't seen the trailer, so I can't give you many thoughts on it, but the fact that it's set so far in the future, again, like kind of like, is it important enough to watch now? Hmm. Like, will it ever tie in? Obviously, it'll never tie in the Discovery that we're watching now. Oh, I disagree. But he's on the Discovery. But it's a thousand years after. Discovery. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. Cow. <laughs> see, see, I'm I'm going to disagree. Whereas with the comics, the comics are playing for a different audience to some degree. Yes, it's playing a little bit to the core audience that's watching the actual series. But these short treks are, are one assuming that you've got Star Trek. Uh, I mean, I mean CBS All Access, and two. Or it is trying to get those people who maybe dropped CBS All Access, like myself, back into getting CBS All Access again. And number three, they're not going to waste making something, in my opinion, that's not going to relate directly to the story in some way. Hmm. I agree with all of those points. Thank you. But <laughs> I just don't I don't see how. I mean, this is going to be one of those timey-wimey episodes. I don't Ooh. see how you can say it's a thousand years after Discovery and still tie it into our our current Discovery. Like, But I, I, I would think they would have to, because as the points you've made, they wouldn't have wasted money making this if that didn't. Hmm. Number one. Number two, if you want to get people excited about this series, you don't want to show them a short trick of something that I'll never tie into the series to start with. So now people start watching a short trip. I mean, the actual series and like, well, what happened to this guy? Yeah, good point. Good point. Cause, cause if they go a thousand years in the future and it's freaking awesome, people are gonna be like, what? what? I want more of that. <laughs> right. And then, and then this act, I mean, all this hides, like, I don't know. To me, he seems like one, he's like one of my favorite actors. Me too. And yeah. like to see him in, Anything Star Trek is awesome to me, but to see him just once in a short trick and not anymore, like, why would you tease us with that? You know? Yeah, it it does call into question why would you waste him in a sense, right? Because uh, because like you said, they're going to obviously be fans of Aldous Hodge who are going to want to see the possibility of more of him in Star Trek Discovery. 
And the fact that you just like kind of alienated him off on this thousand year uh, <laughs> hiatus. Um, yeah, I could see, you know, that not being a good thing. So I don't but know. like I said, it could be one of those timey wimey episodes and it works out well. So we'll see. Oh, you say timey wimey like you know what you're talking about there. Sir. Yeah, I'm like, he is on a <laughs> roll tonight. No, I just like that. I just like so I heard you guys say it and it just seemed to fit. <laughs> wow. Hey, either way, I mean, he's still, uh, Jonathan, you're making like good, you're like seriously on a roll tonight. Good, <laughs> good. <laughs> so, I'm okay. going to be a who nerd soon. <laughs> Whovian, not who nerd. Whovian. Oh, sorry. Sorry. God. I apologize. Jeez. <laughs> See, I'm not there yet. Uh, I was the, on a roll. Says the track nerd. Says the track nerd. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, let's get into our review of Star Trek Enterprise Demons. This episode debuted on May 6, 2005, and it was the 20th episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Enterprise. While attending the conference on a proposed interplanetary alliance, Trip and T'Pol find out from a dying woman that they have a baby. Investigation shows the woman was a member of the xenophobic organization Terra Prime. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. So guys, off the top of your heads, let's just get some initial thoughts of this episode. Let's start with you, John. Uh, great episode, actually. <laughs> and... You know, I think one of my complaints on the last episode was like, why would you make this a two-parter? You know what I mean? Like, why would you make that a two-parter episode? It really didn't have that much substance to it. Like, this does. Like, this is like an overall arc that I could see going two or three or even four episodes out if they write it correctly. Because there's a lot that needs to be touched on a lot. And they spend a lot of time in the details of this episode. Yes. Yes. And because of that, you can, I mean, a great writer could expand this over multiple episodes and I loved it. I loved it. Wow. What about you, Cal? I'm going to, I'm going to agree with everything Jonathan just said, because yes, I could easily, easily see this as three, maybe even four episodes. There were so many things that could have been expounded upon that would have layered more into the story. It, it totally wasn't like the last uh, two-parter that, yes, I agree, to- didn't feel like there was a lot going on and you were stretching it. This was really, really good. And it's interesting that this was written so many years ago and we're seeing <laughs> parallels. We'll, I know we'll get into that yeah. later, but just interesting. Interesting. Very good. Very good. And what about you? What do you think, Clarence? Oh, man. Uh, wow. Uh, I guess we'll just get right into it. This episode, you know, written in 2000, written, shown into, aired in 2005, but you look at it today and it could also relate to so many things going on in culture, in American culture today. And man, it seems like well, let me ask you, is there room for stories like this that maybe are, you know, kind of echoing some things that are going on in real life? Um, do we want that in our Star Trek or does it just simply make sense in this world? And I think that may be the biggest point 
where some other shows it may feel a bit forced or feel a bit preachy while this does feel preachy it does make total sense in the context of this star trek world Mm. so my opinion this again is another another reason that i love star trek so much i mean not only this episode but many episodes of star trek as it's like it's like gene roddenberry could see into the future (laughs) and and maybe and maybe that's not the case. And I think and what actually it is, in my opinion, a lot of the same problems we had going on in the world then are the same problems we're having now, just on a different level yeah. or dealing with, you know, they just altered a little bit. But it's still the same issues. But he saw he first saw a future where these issues were had been solved. Yeah. And he wrote and he like it's a guideline on how to solve them. Like, to me, that's always been the greatest thing about Star Trek. And is it room for it? Of course it is. I mean, my case in point, we go back to, like, shows like Boston Legal or uh, West Wing. I've been going over watching West Wing with my wife. And, it, you know, it's a big political show. And it's like things they're touching on there. And this show was in the 90s, yeah. late 90s. I mean, these things that they're talking about, we're still talking about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to take it in a different direction, but at the same time, not disagree with you, Jonathan, which is instead of looking at the future, I think instead perhaps that he may have been looking at the past because I heard one time, I don't know where I heard it, who said it, so I just will say that I've heard this before, which is history is destined to repeat itself. Yeah. And you look at what history was happening in the you know, 60s are when Star Trek first came out. You're seeing the McCarthyism era. You're seeing the, you know, civil rights movement, many things that layered in upon Star Trek. Now here we're shooting up into 2000, you know, the, the, the 2000s. And now we're in the, you know, t- we're now talking in 2018. I think five years ago when circumstances per se were different in our country or in our present in you know five years ago 2013 this episode may not have spoken to us very much but history repeated itself cycles recycled mm-hmm. and here we are talking about this right oh man it's it's so amazing how um you know, we talked about the idea of the Roddenberry utopian dream. <laughs> and, you know, it's almost like once we reach that point uh, where there's this synergy between the different races, the different countries, the different cultures of of our country, or our, our nation, our, our planet, <laughs> better yet, our planet. And, you know, there's always something else out there. That is threatening that sanctity. And, and this is basically what happens in this episode. Um, you know, what's different is always scary. What different is always scary. And that's what drives the, the people of, of Terra Prime to, <laughs> to want this pure and beautiful, uh, um, uh, earth. Earth, you know, and, and, and you can extrapolate that to many things. You can extrapolate it to racism. You can extrapolate it to, um, freaking borders, uh, build that wall. You can extrapolate it to many things, you know, um, 
pure patriotism, if you want to use patriotism in that sense. But I think maybe that'd be going over line a little bit. Uh, but but um, you can extrapolate this thought to many other things we and and it's not a, it's not a new story we see it play out in so many different uh medias in different ways but it's always the same message and it's always that core message uh you know i think of the x-men movies you know that's a, a central theme in x x-men where the mutants are the right. bad guys you know right. and, and and you can equate it to so many other things we were talking uh we had a recent uh review of rosa on our uh, doctor who podcast discussing who.com where we <laughs> there was this guy far from the future far from the future but his whole purpose was to come and not have rosa not get up from that seat on the bus <laughs> you know and really and, yes and Wow. It it's always gonna be a group that is afraid of what's next, and you know I guess we can get into the episode, but that's what this episode is all about. And you um, know that's uh it's kind of a scary thing for and Cal you you said something that to me is a scary thing, which it, and it is the truth unfortunately, and we try to not think of it, but the phrase history is destined to repeat itself, hmm. like that just kind of disassembles your your view of the future like <sighs> i want to say everything will be better but we're going to repeat the same mistakes over and over yeah yeah it's almost and like that, how we learn in a sense <laughs> and if you notice that it's usually when you see these moments of change or these moments of you know, heightened one way where the pendulum sw- uh, s- swings one way or the other, wh- whatever direction one way or the other might be. It's usually when those in power, whoever those in power may be, whatever category they may fit. In this case, it's the people who are, you know, trying to make Earth great again, mega, <laughs> trying to make Earth great again. So, the, you know, but in this case, it's 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 those particular people. But it's when that segment of a population, whatever the population is, fears losing said power. And that's when it's everything becomes the enemy. The unknown becomes the enemy. The difference becomes the enemy. The aliens become the enemy. Just, you know, I'm losing my power. I've got to hang on and so forth. Well, well, let's get into it because, you know, for us to say we have these people rising up, uh, you know, wanting this purity or to keep outsiders away is one thing. But let's kind of get into what 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 is Terra Prime's reason for wanting this, you know, however wrong <laughs> we think it is. Um, they're afraid and fear drives a lot of things in the wrong direction. And so, of course, if you've been keeping up with, uh, we're, we're, we're jumping into episode 20 of season four. If you've seen the past seasons of Enterprise, you know that they had the, the Zindi war. You had the attack in, was it Florida, or Georgia, where a bunch Florida. of people got killed. And, you know, is this a wrong reaction for this sense of purity? Yes, it's wrong. But in, in this case, we can at least say it's not totally seated in 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 uh, things that haven't directly affected them because they've gone you know earth as a planet uh, in the recent years in in the star trek enterprise universe 
has gone through some crap. <laughs> they have gone through some crap, man. And it's almost like when you venture out and this is kind of their point too. Why are you going out there? We don't, we don't, we don't want people to know we're even here. I mean, we don't want to bring all these bad things into our country, into our planet. And it's always weighing, it's always to think of weighing what you can gain from venturing out versus the, the bad stuff you can bring. And, um, I don't know. It's just really hard because I, I can't say that they're, some of their ideals are totally without merit. But it's just the xenophobia is something that just does not work at all. Well, I kind of equate it to, you know, a lot of it, like at the beginning of this episode, when they introduced Terra Prime, you know, I was listening to this guy, you know, he's watching the uh, who was it, Major Brown or somebody on a TV screen. Oh, Colonel Green. Colonel Green. Yeah. Like, so my thought was, you know what? Remember us after 9-11, like a major tragedy happened to us here. And all of a sudden we no longer, we wanted only Americans. Mm-hmm. We travel bans and no one else from other countries coming in. And we're going to, you know, that. and like you said, it was just a fear thing. We like, this could happen again. So how do we prevent it? And so you can't really, I mean, I couldn't really be upset with them. They were doing it the wrong way, but I mean, I understand. And like the guy in the mining, well, I don't know if we get that far in it, but you know, he said, "Think about our kids." Yeah, like our kids are walking the street out here, and we don't know who's who they're walking with. Well, it, it always and, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. That's, I mean, that's just that's the point I was making. It's just, I mean, they they have some merit to what they're saying. They just didn't. They found the wrong way to fix it. Yeah, and and you always see the guys who are. M- making these points to make this so-called revolution. They're always, they're always following something that's just a little too crazy to be believable, you know? <laughs> and this is, you just brought it up the whole video of Colonel Green and he, he explained like, uh, the World War Three and the, you know, to prevent, uh, radiation sickness from tarnishing generations down the line and, and making the human, humans a weaker race. Yeah. We're going to, uh, commit math, mass euthanasia. And kill thousands upon thousands of people. Uh, that's the guy you're following to make your point. Uh, right. Really? But see, you, you know, I'm going to take up something you just said, Clarence, which was they follow people who do things that are just a little bit too much to be believable. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. So, I mean, that's it's really, 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 really hard for me to get, not get any more political than I've already been on this episode <laughs> tonight. But it's at, at the same time picking up something that Jonathan said about it being sad or it being scary. You, you know, I just think that this, I don't know, this this episode was just a good snapshot of what can happen when you let some of that ego or derangement or whatever the description is but usually men like the main character that's the bad guy in this episode usually have in my opinion some type of personal gain whether it be for power whether it be for notoriety whether it be for for some disillusionment but but he makes a statement you know how will history remember him and i think that's just some kind of ego thing that these people that do that, they have to have this overflated, uh, corrupt 
version of reality to some degree. Yeah. And, and then you have the idea of uh, John, John Paxton, John Paxton. Am I saying yeah, that right? Paxton. Paxton. Um, and, this is what really gets me and, and maybe we can like elaborate a little bit, but the whole idea of breeding this human Vulcan baby, this was really pissing me off. But I haven't seen Terra Prime, which is the next episode of this two part. I have not seen it. So I really can't even remember why the baby is there. But again, if like what Cal said, you know, what's uh, happened before is destined to repeat again. Um, I think of the idea of how some people maybe in the past have considered, you know, oh, a, a, a black and white baby. Oh, that's a bad thing. You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking back in American history and maybe other cultures as well. Um, but, but yeah, they are using this baby. Uh, and again, I don't remember the next episode, but I think they're kind of just using it as an example of all the bad that can happen, which is really irks me. Really irks me. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So, um, what do you guys think of the coalition of planets and uh, Nathan Samuels? Do we think this is a good thing, bringing all different alien races together? Oh. Never. <laughs> all the races, all these different alien races, they need to like stay, uh, you know, apart. You know, absolutely. I think it's a good idea. I mean, you learn from other things. You learn from your differences and the differences make you stronger. I mean, is it going to be perfect? Absolutely not. But I guarantee you, if you got all of these discussing Trek um a co-host together in a room and kept us in a room for a week. By the end of the week, somebody is going to have disagreed with somebody else. I don't know which one of us it will be, <laughs> but, but am I right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Definitely. Uh, I guess moving along. So what do you guys think of, of the whole Mayweather thing and his girlfriend? <laughs> I liked it. I, I really did like that. That was, a, again, that's like a whole nother level of stuff we could get into. <laughs> so, yeah, with that, the enemy. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Poor Mayweather. Yeah, I feel sorry for him, man. I was sad. Like, he didn't want to let her in, and he did, and oh, man, she's a spy. <laughs> that's just horrible. I kind of look, look at him as kind of like Harry Kim, like, you know, you finally get a woman and then there's something wrong with her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Harry Kim always get a woman and then it turns out to be like the evil twin or an yeah. alien that's trying to kill him. Or... Poor Harry. I, so, so, so let me ask you, I actually took this in a different direction, but a little bit the same direction. So is this the first time that we've ever seen, and this wasn't a quote unquote sex scene, but is this the first time we've ever seen two characters being intimate or having been intimate or whatever mm, in, in Star Trek? Or, or have we seen that before? I'm no. pretty sure not. <laughs> I mean, I can think of right off the top of my head, Worf and Jadzia Dax. Yeah. Had a couple of scenes. Got you. I mean, got you. Got even Jadzia had a stripper at a party. But that was, Yoshi well, and Archer Mirror Universe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, the only reason I mentioned it was it, the 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 thought that it gave me or the, that popped into my head was 
yes, it was not as graphic as what we saw in Discovery, but it's not the first time. No. Mm. Um, they've explored it. Although that may be the first time, like, you actually see, like, a full-on bra strap. You know what I mean? Like, I think, <laughs> I think the other times, like, everybody was fully covered other than heads, like, like their head out or something. Yeah. Got you. Like, I think that's about as much... Well, I'm not even gonna say as much nudity because T'Pol had that episode oh, yeah. where she was putting the cream on in the decontamination <laughs> bag. That was like the first episode. When <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, not the first time. Hmm. Uh, okay, uh, I had problems with this episode too in certain parts. No. For instance, when T'Pol and Trip goes to the Orpheus facility on the moon. Why not cover up the Paul's ears? You know, you're going yes. to a place where they probably hate aliens and they make no effort to conceal the fact that she's Vulcan. Ticked me off. <laughs> really ticked you me off. You know what? Yeah, that did bother me. And I, that was my first thought when they were planning the mission. I was like, yeah, she's going to get her ears covered up. <laughs> exactly. And that was I what assumed. I was looking for. As soon as I seen them on soon as that scene popped up with them in the mind, I was looking for that. And I couldn't tell if it was covered or they had tried to cover it. But at a certain point, you realize they didn't even try. Yeah, But there were other aliens in the mining facility. Yeah, that's so. true. That's true. That's true. And then just going a little bit further, I loved how in the, the mining scene where you had the, the, the guy kind of leading the people that were anti-alien. I love that it was a black guy. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, and and the reason I loved it because it kind of spins spins it all on his head. We're way in the future. Race among humans right. doesn't really matter, you know, and is something else to fight against. And now it doesn't matter what color you are. The aliens are bad, you know. I love that it kind of spent that on his head, and you know, even even uh, Pat Praxton's right hand man was a black guy, so I right. thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, they like they bald head black guys in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that hurt. <laughs> but but you know, it, it's like it goes back to kind of what you were just saying, which was society has to have a villain. Yeah, this is true. Mm. All right, guys. Well, I think I've pretty much gone through my notes. We see where the the uh, Orpheus uh, mining facility takes off and goes to Mars and um, taps into the Viridian Array, and they threaten to, <laughs> you know, shoot anybody who uh, defies them. Um, so, guys, any other takeaways? Now, you guys has any other notes on this episode that you wanted to go to before we kind of wrap things up? Well, I was two things. Number one, to me. Like and I remember watching this episode a long time ago, and I was very impressed with this mining co mining ship being able to <laughs> fly and go to warp. I mean, and yeah. they did a good job with it. Number one, number two, the section thirty one, like the guy. Yeah, the whole reason we're having this, <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, thanks for well, keeping us on track, John. Hey, I do what I can, <laughs> but. What bothered me about that, like, there was so much tension between he and uh, Malcolm on the last episode we talked about. Malcolm and Harris. Yeah, and now all of a sudden he's like, all willy-nilly jump in bed with him. Yeah. And, and, you know, that just kind of bothered me. Like, there was no hesitation. There was no debate about it. There was no, like, I figured Malcolm would say, you know, Captain, we really don't want to do this, or I'll make contact, but you need to go see him. 
Or, you know, it's just kind of like, hey, I need you to see your old friend, and then, bam, we're talking again. No, yeah, he, I mean, Harris told him that, you know, if you're in, you're in, you know, if I do this for you, you're, you're back in fully. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not only surprised Reed didn't have any pushback, but I was even more surprised that Archer was quick to, it's like the first thing he pulled, you know, well, I guess, well, I I guess technically he did try to talk to other people to get information and kept getting turned down, but you just, you hate these guys. You kind of had a whole episode where you were like reeling against them. And now and you, the, they're your friends. And was the information even that valuable? Mm, no, but this is part one. <laughs> well, true. True. <laughs> See, I was looking at it more so as thinking this was the last, you know, this is the first episode from the last episode I saw that was directly about this. And I know there was obviously, you know, more episodes in between, but it just felt organic to me coming from having watched the last one, now going directly into this one. I didn't really think that much about it, except at the end of the last episode, they made a purpose of saying he was loyal to Archer. He was not loyal to the other guy. And here we go. We start with Archer giving him you know, this is what you need to do and going and doing it. I paid more attention to that other than or are not paying attention to the other part of, you know, once you're in, you're in kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I just did not. I, I, I think they could have, if there was a bad writing in this episode, I think that part could have used a little more detail or polish. Yeah, the stakes should have been a little bit higher than um, it's a baby. But the, we don't know <laughs> where she came from. Well, I guess the woman right. did get killed, though. The woman did get killed, uh, Susan Corey. So may, maybe there was enough to justify her. Her being killed at this whole uh, coalition of planets may have been big enough for for Archer to to kind of demand this. Like if you if you really think about it. So mm. and who killed the lady? <laughs> Like, and you know, I know they know they could figure out, like, what was it a phaser or a disruptor or which kind? Yeah, true, true. All this, is I true. mean, if you go to section 31 for information, that's the kind of stuff I would thought they would get. I guess you are to assume it was Terrence, so yeah, I guess. But still, you know, being section 31, <laughs> you think they'd be a little bit <laughs> uh, that's, that's about as much as we know, like, what, right? Dude, you're section 31, dude. <laughs> But anyway, okay. we, I guess we'll see in the next episode because we don't really know. Maybe they aren't, you know, giving us all the information and maybe we'll see that play out in the next episode. All right. All right. So I actually have a question for you guys. But but one thing that I did think was cool was looking at the way that they were portraying the media at this press conference and assuming what media might look at. And I was thinking, was this before Google uh, Glasses or Google Glass or whatever it was came out? I think it was, wasn't it? Yes, definitely was. Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay. But I just thought that was cool how they were representing the video cameras that were actually tied into your glasses. That so that is that was cool. awesome. That is awesome. That's the bit of tech that I really loved in this episode. I'm like, why can't uh-huh. we just do that now? Another uh, reason I love Star Trek, like they – like, I think most technology we have, people got the idea from Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so 
so here, if you don't mind, here's my question uh, for you guys. And uh, this was something that I was confused about. And if they didn't mention it, I'm going to turn it into a pet peeve from the episode. <laughs> so they they spent a lot of time talking about whether or not T'Pol had gotten pregnant and Trip didn't know about it and back and forth and back and forth. Did they ever ask the question, how did they get our DNA and slice it together or mix it together? Like, how did they get his, you know what, and her, you know what, and put them together? I don't think they getting into that on this episode. I think it'll be the next episode. But I think right now, the way I took it, at least right now, is just kind of like in in Tripp's head, she actually had the baby and not telling him or had had the embryo removed and just not telling him about it even though he's saying I believe her. And then to Paul's head, I think she's kind of thinking like, maybe this baby is from the future. Mm. Because, you know, she says, you know, as soon as Captain Archer told me, I knew I had a baby. So help me out here. Have they ever been intimate Oh yeah. To this? Oh okay. All right. Yeah. So you yeah, where you been, man? That. See, I couldn't remember. So I, I was you sitting here the going, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, they're they're like at this point they're pretty much been well known and they've you know it's the, it's not happened a couple of times. They've had relations. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, guys, I think we are ready to wrap things up on uh, Star Trek. Enterprise Demons. We will be covering the next episode, Terra Prime, in an upcoming review. So, guys, around the horn, is anybody working on anything podcast related or otherwise that you want to plug before we get out of here? John. Uh, well, as you guys probably already know, uh, Jeremy and I are working on J and J Starts Talking podcasts. Uh, we released one episode. I have another one that I still have yet to edit. And post. Hopefully, I get that done this week. I've just had a pretty busy month, and we should be recording our next episode. Uh, I want to say the next couple of days, but we're not exactly sure. But stay tuned for that. Check out our Facebook page. Cool. And also, Cal Jones, man, anything you are working on the podcast later or otherwise that you want to talk about? All right. If anyone wants to hear some other things that Clarence and I are working on, you can check out our other shows on DiscussingNetwork.com. All right, guys. Well, thanks to you guys for joining us. Uh, I really appreciate it. And guys out there, if you have seen this episode, uh, Star Trek Enterprise Demons and have questions or comments or, you know, just feedback, uh, you can send that into fans at DiscussingTrek.com as well as hit us up on the various social medias and please like and subscribe in all those various places until next time guys live long and prosper thanks for listening to the discussing trek podcast for more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe.